Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast, brought to you by the OC Church of Christ. Let's dive deep into God's Word, learning new insight and taking a fresh look at the verses that impact our daily lives. We will continue with our study of the Minor Prophets by studying out the book of Zechariah. Here is John Oakes. But I do want to do a little bit in Zechariah 12 through 14. There's just, this stuff is just too good to skip. So let's go back to Zechariah 12, 10 through 14. He says, and I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Hmm. What? I, what could a firstborn son, an only begotten son who was pierced? Hmm. Wonder what that might be a reference to. Uh, on that day, the weeping in Jerusalem will be as great as the weeping of Hadad Rimen in the plains of Megiddo. The land will mourn each clan by itself with their wives by themselves, the clan of the houses of David. Their wives, the clan of the house of Nathan and their wives, the clan in the house of Levi and their wives, the clan of Shimei and their wives, and all the rest of the clans and their wives. So this is a a messianic prophecy. God says, in the last days, I will pour out uh, uh, my spirit in Jerusalem, a reference, I believe, to Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And of course, the most famous reference to Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost in the Minor Prophets, is in Joel 2, 28 through 31. So it talks about one who would be pierced. And as we know, Jesus was crucified, but he was also pierced, John 19, 31 through 37. And uh, then then God says, they will look on me, the one they have pierced. So what this tells us is that the Messiah is God in the flesh. He refers in verse 11 to Hadad Rimon. This is where Josiah, the most righteous of the kings of, of Judah, were. We think of Hezekiah as the most righteous, but I don't think so. We think of David as the most righteous king. David was the greatest king, but I believe Josiah was the most Christ-like of the kings of Judah. And of course, he is a Jesus is a direct descendant of Josiah. And so he was killed in a battle in Megiddo. He was trying to defend Egypt against uh, uh, Babylon. And it really turned the tide of history because of the loss at the Battle of Megiddo. uh, Ultimately, Babylon was able to sweep in and take Jerusalem. So that's in 2 Kings 23, 29 through 30, 2 Chronicles 35, 24 and 25. In fact, Jeremiah composed a lament for the occasion of the death. So the bottom line is, he's saying, if if I want to explain what it's going to be like, the mourning and the weeping when Jesus is killed on the cross, the the closest equivalent I could think of was the weeping and the mourning at the death of Josiah. And uh, um, that's referred to in Jeremiah and Rachel weeping and those kinds of things. Uh, And 13 of verse 1 through 9 is is another kingdom prophecy. On that day, 
the fountain, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. On that day, baptism will be preached. Baptism for forgiveness of sins and to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, folks, you can do a baptism study out of the Old Testament. Uh, there's just you, there's so many places you can go. Uh, Ezekiel 36, the whole thing about passing through the uh, water with Moses and and First uh, Corinthians 10, verse 1, and all that. In that day, I will banish the names of the idols from the land. They'll be remembered no more, declares the Lord Almighty. I'll remove both the prophets and the spirit of impurity from the land. No more prophets. Um, and, and if anyone still prophesies, their father or mother to whom they were born will say to them, you must die because you've told lies in the Lord's name. Their own parents will stab the one who prophesies. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of their prophetic vision. They will not put on a prophet's garment of hair in order to deceive. Each will say, I am not a prophet. I'm a farmer. The land has seen has been my livelihood since my youth. If someone asks, what are these wounds on your body? They'll answer, the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. And so... I, I, you know, I'm not sure exactly why he's going on and on about the end of prophecy. Is this a reference to uh, the ceasing of prophetic gifts? Uh, you know, uh, you know, First Corinthians 13, where there's prophecies, they will cease. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I would use this as a proof text for the uh, ceasing of, of charismatic gifts, but perhaps that's what he's referring to. But then it's going to go back to another messianic prophecy. Awake sword against my shepherd. Who is his shepherd? We know who his shepherd is. Against the man who's close to me, declares the Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Mark 14, verse 49. I will turn against my hand against the little ones. And the whole land declares the Lord, two thirds will be struck down and perish, yet one third will be left in it. The third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver to test them like gold. They will call on my name. I will answer them. I will say, you are my people. They will say, the Lord is our God. Again, a kingdom prophecy. Uh, two thirds, those who are not willing to become Christians, those Jews who are not willing to come into the Christian church. God waited 40 years. God, 40 years is always a time of God waiting. Jesus was crucified in 30 AD and 70 AD. Those two thirds, they were wiped out and, and Jerusalem was destroyed. But one third would remain faithful. Uh, whether it's a literal one third, I don't know. It reminds me of Ezekiel 5, verse 1 through 4, where one third were, were burned. One third were cut with a sword. One third were scattered to the wind, but God took a few hairs and he put it inside of his garment. That is the remnant, the protected ones of God. Then Zechariah 14, one of my favorite chapters. I love Zechariah 14 like I love Revelation 20 and 21, especially Revelation 22, 1 through 5, and Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. Read Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. If you want to be encouraged about heaven and about the Holy Spirit and its ro his role in reviving us. 
about the Holy Spirit being a river that will well up to eternal life. Spend some time in Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12, and also Daniel 12. So this is uh, one of these kingdom prophecies. It's a prophecy about the destruction and the restoration uh, of Jerusalem. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the church. And it's about the final restoration in heaven. And as typical in such prophecies, it bounces back and forth. It, you know, it's like in, in uh, Matthew 25. Does he talk about the destruction of Jerusalem or is he talking about the second coming? It's kind of like that. So it's the day of the Lord, right? It's the day of the Lord. You asked about that. The, the greatest of all days of the Lord is the final day of the Lord. When God comes in final judgment at the end of time. All right. So like, like Matthew 24, 4 through 35, it's a mixed prophecy with, with applications to 70 AD, applications to 30 AD, uh, to, to the sermon that Jesus preached on the Mount of Olives. The, 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 we come back to the Mount of Olives so many times. In John, in Luke, in prophecies in Jeremiah, and in prophecies right here in Zechariah 14. Because the Mount of Olives is, that's the path that God takes when he enters his city. And in, in uh, Ezekiel 11, it's the path up Mount Olives when God leaves his people. But the day of the Lord often involves the Mount of Olives, Zechariah 14, verse 4. And Jesus ascended naturally from the Mount of Olives. The key to understanding chapter 14 is verse 1. A day of the Lord is coming, Jerusalem, when your possessions will be plundered and divided up within your very walls. 70 AD is the day of the Lord. I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured. The house is ransacked. The women raped. Half the city will go into exile. The rest of the people will not be taken from the city. Then the Lord will go out and he'll fight against those nations as he fights on a day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. And, on, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with the half the, uh, moving to the north and half moving to the south. Now, if you're in Jerusalem, if the Mount of Olives is separated, then what you have is an open path down into the Dead Sea because the Mount of Olives is east of Jerusalem. All right, and if you've been in Jerusalem, if you're at the Temple Mount, the, 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 the Mount of Olives is right in front of you. That's the mountain that Jesus came down on the day uh, on Palm Sunday. It's the mountain that David went up when he fled from Jerusalem. So many other places, a key place. All right. You will flee by my mountain valley for it will extend, it, extend to Azel. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the day of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. On that day, there will be neither sunlight nor cold. Frosty darkness. Again, this is a apocalyptic passage. A day known only to the Lord with no distinction between night and day. When evening comes, there'll be light. On that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem. 
Ezekiel 47. Half to the east to the Dead Sea. Again, when the, when the Mount of Olives was rent, there's a clear path for the water to flow into the Dead Sea. And that which was dead will be made alive. On that day, living water will flow out of Jerusalem, half to the east of the Dead Sea, half to the west of the Mediterranean in summer and winter. Now he's, he's switched gears because the first seven verses was about 70 AD. But now he's talking about the end of time. He's talking about the great day of the Lord, the day when Christ comes to redeem his people. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. The whole land from Geber, Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem, will become like the Arabah. But Jerusalem will be raised up high from the Benjamin Gate to the site of the first gate, to the corner gate. Now we're in Revelation 21. He's describing the city of God. From the Tower of Hananel to the Royal Wine Press, it will remain in its place. It will be inhabited. Never again will it be destroyed. Jerusalem will be secure. Again, Revelation 21. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot. This is the second death. While they're still standing on their feet, their eyes will rot in their sockets. Their tongues will rot in their mouths. On that day, people will be stricken by the Lord with great panic. They will seize each other. On the day of the Lord, those who are not righteous are going to realize they're in deep doo-doo. It's not going to be good. Verse 16, then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year. So these nations that were former and formerly enemies of God's people, Isaiah chapter 2, these nations who streamed into the kingdom of God, they're all going to come to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And what is the Feast of Tabernacles? It's a feast of celebrating God living with his people. We'll have an eternal Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus came and he dwelt for a while among us. He tabernacled amongst us. But this is the great Feast of Tabernacles. If any of the people of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem and worship the King, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. If the Egyptian people do not go up and take part, they also will have no rain. The Lord will bring on them the plague inflicts on the nations that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not go up to celebrate the Festival of Tabernacles. Hopefully you understand what Tabernacles is about. By the way, almost a quarter of the book of John takes place during the Feast of Tabernacles. On that day, holy to the Lord will be in pots and the Lord's house will be like the sacred bowls in front of the altar. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord Almighty, and all who come to sacrifice will take some of the pots and cook in them. On that day, there will no longer be a merchant in the house of the Lord Almighty. You have to understand that the Old Testament closes with Malachi 4 and with Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14 is like a closing scene of the Old Testament as Malachi 4. And Malachi 4 closes with uh, Elijah will come and then the kingdom of God will come. And here we have this idea. And Jesus, when he came to Jerusalem, there's a reason that John has 
Jesus driving the merchants out of the temple at the close of his ministry because that he was fulfilling the prophecy, the driving of the merchants, the, the unfaithful ones out of the temple. There will no longer be a place for them. All right. So Zechariah 14, the end of time, is parallels with Ezekiel 47, Revelation 21, and Daniel 12, and Matthew 24. I love how these are all saying the same thing in such different ways. And he talks about the day of the Lord. You can see on the screen there, the day of the Lord, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Zephaniah, Malachi. Um, so the first uh, six verses are more about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, but that's almost exactly like Matthew 24. And then the rest of it is uh, after the part about the earthquake in Isaiah and Amos 1.1. The rest of it <coughs> is about end times. Living water. That's that endless stream. The one that provides for 12 crops a year in, in Revelation 21. And, 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 and Ezekiel 47, the one that renews the, the, the Dead Sea and makes it alive again. And Jerusalem will be secure. This is a big theme in Revelation 21. God's enemies will be judged and will have one long perpetual Feast of Tabernacles. And what will we say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Thank you, John Oaks, and thank you all for listening to Deeper Dive by the OC Church of Christ. If you want to get connected to us or want to donate to the program, go to our website, occhurchofchrist.com, or through social media at the OC Church. Join us next time as we continue our Deeper Dive into the Minor Prophets.